Psalms here from Psalm 73 to 83 that are the Psalms of Asaph, who would have been a, I guess we could say a musician uh, in David's court or at the time of David. And all of these Psalms that we've looked at the last few weeks, and we'll probably we'll probably cover the rest of Asaph's Psalms before we, before we move on to something else on Wednesday night. So for the next few weeks, probably, we'll finish out through Psalm 73. But tonight we are on Psalm 76, and there's kind of a theme that we see in these Psalms of Asaph, and, and we've seen it a lot here in these last few that we've covered, and that theme has been God's judgment against against the enemies of God and God's people. And so that's what we see again tonight in Psalm 76. This is kind of a uh, this is kind of a a heavy passage on judgment, but but things will kind of lighten up a little bit in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we're kind of on this theme of of judgment. Now we don't know exactly, you know, what's going on during this time period, uh, what what kind of deliverance that Asaph is looking for, or judgment on which enemies. Uh, there are uh, there is some speculation as to the time period, but it really doesn't matter because uh, whatever time period Asaph was in, or whatever time period we are in. There are always enemies of God. There are always people trying to thwart God's plan and and hinder God's people from doing God's work. And so the idea that God will be with his people and God will deal with those who are trying to uh, thwart his plans uh, is continual throughout all generations. And so these words are are good for us regardless of whether we know uh, the exact uh, time and context of them. The superscription says, For the choir director with stringed instruments, a psalm of Asaph, a song. And so uh, we see these superscriptions a lot. Uh, here we see this mention of instruments. And so uh, a lot of times perhaps these superscriptions tell us, hey, this is played with an instrument or perhaps it accompanies this tune. Sometimes we see these other titles in there. These superscriptions are kind of hard to know exactly what some of the things mean, but uh, we get the idea here that this was a song, perhaps, that this would have been something that, that God's people would have would have sang, would have, uh, a, a song would have remembered uh, these events. And so let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for your good word. And I pray, God, that you would help us just to, just to hear what your word says. I guess in some way this passage is, is kind of heavy and and what it talks about, but dear Lord, we know that all of your word is good, and God, we perhaps need to be reminded sometimes that you are a God who judges, and God, one day we all will stand before you, and so, dear Lord, I pray that we would stand in fear of you today, that we would humble ourselves before you, dear Lord, that the judgment that we deserve has been taken by Jesus Christ if we, in fact, have put our faith in him. So, God, I pray that as we read these words tonight, that we would we would glorify you and praise you in your deliverance, both of the people that this was written about and for ourselves, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 76, 1. God is known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Now, as we see in Scripture, as you continue to read in the, in the uh, Old Testament, what you see is that Initially, God's people were known as Israel, but, but at some point they split up. And ten of the tribes of Israel retained the name of Israel, 
And two of the tribes of Israel went by the name of Judah. And so sometimes in Scripture, in the Old Testament in particular, we see Judah and Israel are maybe kind of a back and forth. But uh, as the Old Testament goes on, we see the separation between the two. Now, Israel had nothing but bad kings the whole time that they were the ten tribes, and eventually they were overtaken by the Assyrians. Judah was a little better. They had some some kings who were good, and and their faithful remnant was faithful to a God, to God a little more so than those of Israel. But but ultimately they too would sin, and the Babylonians would overtake them. Regardless, though, even though we can look at Israel's past and those ten tribes and say, man, they were they were bad, which which generally speaking they were. Certainly there were some in Israel who still feared the Lord. Even you may look at the United States and say, we're not a godly nation. Well, maybe majority-wise we are not. Maybe we are, I don't know. But regardless, even if 95% of the people in these United States uh, rejected God and there were only five who, who, who put their faith in God, well, there's still a faithful remnant, even in countries and nations where everybody else may have turned from God. And so for Judah and Israel, even though there were some who were disobedient to God, there were others who still put their faith in God. God was still known to them. His name was still great to them, both in Judah and Israel. His tent is in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. Now, you may your translation may say his tabernacle is in Salem, or uh, maybe Jerusalem in a footnote there. That's certainly uh, probably what's being talked about uh, when it says Salem. It's talking about Jerusalem. Uh, before the temple was built in the Old Testament, we saw that God had commanded his people to build a tabernacle. It was a tent of sorts, and it was at that tent that God's presence would come down and dwell among the people. And uh, up until the time of David, there was still that tabernacle that was there. Now, eventually, David's son Solomon would build a temple, but when it speaks of the tent or the tabernacle in Salem, uh, that's probably what it's speaking of there. Uh, his dwelling place in Zion. Now, I think we talked about this a week or two ago. Uh, sometimes Zion is spoken spoken of in a literal sense as as a physical Jerusalem in that area. Sometimes we see a reference to Zion. Sometimes uh, Zion is looked at uh, in a sense of that's where God dwells, maybe in a in a heavenly sense. And so uh, perhaps perhaps that's either of those would fit here. Uh, but God's tent, God's tabernacle, is in Jerusalem. His dwelling place is in Jerusalem, in Zion, or in heaven. Both both are true. God dwelt with His people. Uh, and it says in verse 3, There he shatters the bows, flaming arrows, the shields, the sword, and the weapons of war. Selah. So the point being is that God is known to his people. God is present. He dwells with his people. And there are enemies that are coming against God's people. There have always been enemies of God's people. And there will always be enemies of God's people. There will always be those who hate God who reject God, who want to get rid of God. And that was the case uh, in, in the Old Testament time. There were lots of other gods, uh, and people didn't care to worship Yahweh, the God of Israel, and they desired to destroy his people if they could. But when God dwells with his people who know him, who seek him, who trust him, God protects his people. And that's what we see here from the bows, flaming arrows, the shield, the sword, the weapons of war, whatever weapons of war are formed against us, they will not be able to overcome us because God is our defender. God dwells with us if we dwell with God. If we seek God, we find our dwelling with God and God 
dwells with us. He makes his home with us, the scripture says in the New Testament. And then we see at the end of verse 3, a word that we see uh, pretty frequently in Psalms, and that is Selah. Now, there's some discussion as to exactly what Selah means. Uh, some of these words are kind of obscure to us. We don't know exactly what they mean. Typically uh, speaking, uh, the, the consensus is that Selah probably means that as this was being sang or being recited in whatever way it was, that Selah would, would be a pause. It would be a time to pause and to perhaps reflect and think about those previous things that had taken place. And so if it was a song that was saying, you know, maybe there's a certain measure, a certain amount of beats there that you say, okay, for this time, uh, we're not going to sing. We're going to pause. We're going to reflect on what we have just said or what we have just sang there. And so uh, we see Selah uh, occasionally throughout the Psalms. All right, verse four. You are resplendent and majestic coming down from the mountains of prey. The brave-hearted have been plundered. They have slipped into their final sleep. None of the warriors was able to lift a hand. At your rebuke, God of Jacob, both chariot and horse lay still. Now, you are glorious and majestic or resplendent uh, and, and majestic coming down from the mountains of prey. Now, there's a couple of ways perhaps we could take this, that uh, there's certain joy for the hunter, the one who's doing the hunting, if the mountain is full of prey and you go up to the mountain and you're able to overtake your prey. Perhaps that's the idea there. Uh, perhaps the prey that's being referenced here are those enemies of God, those enemies of God's people. And God has been on the mountain, that is where the enemy was, and, and even though the enemy thought they were the hunter, that is, they were hunting God's people, well, it turns out that God was the hunter, and the enemy of God are the prey, and God has overtaken the prey. And what does it say about those who were against God's people? It says they were brave-hearted, but the brave-hearted have been plundered. They have slipped into their final sleep. So even though they were standing boldly against God and God's people, they did not stand for long. God has destroyed them and they have gone to their final sleep. None of the warriors were able to lift a hand. So even the strongest people in this world, the strongest armies with the strongest weapons, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, we need to understand that truth. We, we sometimes are up against things in life that seem impossible for us. I mean, if an enemy's coming at us with a gun, with a tank, I mean, how are we going to withstand if we've got nothing? Well, if God desires to deliver us and we're trusting in God, he will deliver us by whatever means is necessary. And so even though these warriors were brave and strong, they were not able to lift a hand against God. And at God's rebuke, it says, both chariot and horse lay still. So in a word, if God were to speak, he could stop the enemy. Now, oftentimes God intervenes in, in, in ways to, to, to come against his enemy, sometimes kind of miraculous ways, sometimes just by uh, giving the armies of Israel or, uh, the upper hand as they fought against the enemies. Uh, but in whatever way God uh, sees fit to defend his people and destroy the enemy, God will do so. Verse 7, And you, you are to be feared. When you are angry, who can stand before you? From heaven you pronounce judgment. They feared and grew quiet. When God rose up to judge and to save all the lowly of the earth. Selah. Now, verse 7, and you, you are to be feared. Now, 
this is an important scripture to know, and I, I say it often, but fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. These enemies of Israel did not fear the Lord, and they acted foolishly in trying to attack God's people and rejecting God and not listening to God's word and not seeking God. They were trusting in their own strength, their own abilities, uh, as, as an army, as a, as a powerful people group, whatever it was they were trusting in. They were not trusting in the Lord because they did not fear the Lord. When you are angry, who can stand before you? Now, that's a scary thing to think about, an angry God. And sometimes God did get angry in the Old Testament, perhaps with the enemies of his people. Sometimes he got angry with his people. And that's a scary thing to stand before an angry God. But what did God do? He pronounced judgment. The earth feared and grew quiet. So when God passes judgment, it's going to be a right judgment. There's not going to be any, well, that's not fair that God has done this. It's going to silence everybody, even the ones who desire to stand against God. Verse 10 is kind of difficult, uh, for me at least, maybe not for you. I, I, I read and I thought and I, I looked at some commentaries, and I never did come to a, to a, a suitable answer as to exactly uh, what it means, but even human wrath will praise you. You will clothe yourself uh, with their remaining wrath. And so perhaps the meaning there is is that is that even in God's wrath, it's the right thing to do. And when God brings wrath on those that are deserving of wrath, uh, that those who have been delivered and trusted God, praise God even in that wrath. Uh, perhaps the meaning that you will clothe yourself with the remaining wrath, uh, perhaps there is some wrath that God doesn't have to pour out. That is, maybe God begins to pour out wrath, and some are destroyed by his wrath, and others see the wrath of God and repent and seek the Lord, and they are spared from God's wrath. That is, God could pour out his wrath on everybody. But praise the Lord, he does not have to pour out his wrath on everybody because some repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so those who are in Christ do not receive the wrath of God, do not receive the punishment of God because Jesus has taken the punishment that we deserve on our behalf. And so uh, perhaps the idea is, is that, hey, some are destroyed by God's wrath, and there's rejoicing when justice is served, but maybe others are delivered from God's wrath. Uh, that may be the meaning of that. Your translations are going to differ because uh, that language there in the original Hebrew is kind of obscure, and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's really hard to know exactly what the, what the meaning of, of that verse is. And so... If that interests you, you may want to you may want to study verse ten. If you come to a good conclusion, I'd love to know it because that's a that's a kind of a tough one for me. All right, verse eleven. Make and keep your vows to the Lord your God. Let all who are around him bring tribute to the awe-inspiring one. He humbles the spirits of leaders. He is feared by the kings of the earth. Now that's a that's a that's a great. Thing to see there. He humbles the spirit of leaders. He is feared by the kings of the earth. Now, these kings and leaders that were at one time powerful, that were coming against God, certainly on some occasions with a proud spirit that they could stand before God and destroy God's people, and how could God stop them? Well, those who come against God will always be humbled. Anyone who ever thinks they can stand against God, overcome God, overcome God's people, and be victorious, they will always be humble because those who come against God will discover they will never be victorious against the power of God. He humbles the spirit of leaders. 
He is feared by the kings of the earth. Now, hopefully, some of this humbling comes before judgment and destruction comes. I mean, sometimes a, a leader is humbled by God. They hear about God's destruction and judgment. A prime example of that is the story of Jonah. God sending Jonah to Nineveh to tell the people that God's going to destroy them. And when they hear, they repent of their sin. And God doesn't bring destruction at that time on Nineveh. And so sometimes uh, when those leaders and those kings hear the word of the Lord, they are humble before the Lord with a repentant spirit, and God delivers that land. Now, perhaps that's our prayer today as we look at our country. There's a lot of things that go on in this country that, that, that probably everybody don't like. We may not agree with politics in, in every area, but I think we could probably all agree that there are a lot of things in this country that are not good. And this country seems to be, in my opinion, going in a wrong direction. It seems to be that things are getting worse then they are better. And what we need as a country, regardless of, of what party anybody is, we need men or women that are going to stand on the word of God and fear the Lord and seek him. And it doesn't matter if they got an R in front of their name or a D. It doesn't matter. What matters is we need kings or presidents or leaders in whatever capacity they are to be people who are going to see passages like this and say, okay, wouldn't it be better for us to be on God's side, to seek God, and be those who praise God like Judah and Israel did and know the awesome power of God? Wouldn't it be better for us to be with God than against God? Because those who are against God will one day be humbled. But wouldn't it be better if we humbled ourselves before God and put our faith in Jesus Christ before that day of destruction comes? Let us be those who don't have to face God's anger and judgment because of our sin. But let us be those who have put our faith in Jesus Christ to know that through him, he has taken our sins and they have been forgiven. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you tonight and I thank you for these good words. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would be those like Judah and Israel, that we would praise you. God, that we would know that you dwell among us. But God, you can only dwell among us when we seek you, when we put our faith in in you, dear Lord. So I pray, God, that if there's one that has not done that tonight, that, that we all would leave this place humble before you and, and stay humble every day, dear Lord. It's a daily battle, a daily struggle. that We have to, to fight our pride and, and try to live in humility and help us to be able to do that. God, I pray for our country and for our leaders. Dear Lord, I pray that you give us more men and women that are going to seek you and seek your word. God, that our leaders would humble themselves before you, dear Lord, as an example, so that this nation would humble itself before you. And God, even this world, dear Lord, as bad as things may be in our country or our world, you can change hearts and you can make things better. And so, God, I pray that should that be your will, that you do it. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.